Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and we have a dynamic guest with us today. He is a highly accomplished leader with a diverse background in military intelligence, business, and financial management. And after joining the Army at 17, he quickly rose through the ranks, became a respected expert in psychological operations and human behavior. He then applied this knowledge to the business world, where he excelled for over two decades and currently serves as the senior vice president of operations for the Community Reinvestment Fund USA. He holds a master's degree, a doctorate in management and organization. Welcome, Mac McNeil. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. Appreciate the invite, sir. Oh, you bet. I've been looking forward to this. We're going to have a great time. This will be a delight for our listeners. We're honored that they would choose to join us and be with us today. And before we get going, I'd like to tell you, our listeners, a little bit more about Mac. He has held key positions at some of the most prestigious financial institutions in the world, including the Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, Chase. At Bank of America, he managed 100 financial centers and led a team of 600, earning the number one rank in the division, which represents 2,000 branches in overall customer service for Bank of America. And at J.P. Morgan Chase, he became a top 1% performer and helped 10 of his branch managers achieve similar success out of 6,000 branches. So Mac is sought after as a speaker who has inspired and educated over 200,000 leaders around the world. He was also on the board of a multi-million dollar nonprofit, Feed in America in California. Mac's groundbreaking book, My Great Aunt Edna. We're going to hear about this. The Golden Girl of Leadership is a widely acclaimed roadmap for leaders to lead with excellence. And we're going to have the chance to hear about Aunt Edna today. That is absolutely right. You know, Aunt Edna has been a character that's followed me for a while and has helped me tremendously in my leadership career. Oh, that's great. Let's just get into it. So, Mac, tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that has had a significant impact on you and, and how did you get where you are today? 
first of all, you know, I grew up in Germany primarily. My dad was in the army as well. So Frankfurt and Fulda, Germany, um, also a little bit of time in Arizona as well. But I think that was a big part of my foundation growing up in Europe in the 80s. You know, my mindset's a little bit different just because of that. But at 17, went into the Army and military intelligence, uh, was stationed in Korea at 17, my first duty station there. And that really set the groundwork for me in how I think about the spirit of excellence. There's a lesson I was taught there uh, with a, a sergeant who ripped into me one day and how I was approaching the work. So that's always stayed with me. You know, I transitioned to Fort Bragg in Special Operations Command, ended up in Psychological Operations course, you know, that's definitely different than the regular army uh, went to Desert Storm. Lessons learned there. But really, the, the transition to where I am right now occurred when I was recruited by J.P. Morgan Chase in 2005, right around the same time Jamie Dimon came on board. And that's really helped frame, you know, how I think about things in financial. OK, well, those are those are important crossroads, aren't they? Yes, they are. Most definitely. OK, well, tell us about Great Aunt Edna. Tell us about your book. So my great aunt Edna started out, um, by the way, I will say that I really do have a great aunt Edna. She was the twin of my grandmother. Uh, they're both passed right now. But back in 2014, when I was with Bank of America, I was leading you know, 60 financial centers at the time. And someone asked me, how have you become successful? I hadn't thought about it. I gave it a few seconds. I said, excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts and accountability. And uh, one of my my teammates yelled out, hey, that spells Edna. And I said, hey, I have a great idea. <laughs> so uh, my team took it upon themselves to personify it. And I used to go in the branches for visits. Well, they call them financial centers at Bank of America. And in the break room, there'd be a picture of Aunt Edna with the acronym listed next to it. Excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts and accountability. And it became the culture of how we led. Uh, and of course, we were very successful with that team. And it's followed me, you know, from Bank of America to Synchrony now to the Community Reinvestment Fund, started a newsletter and eventually led to the book that's been released. And, you know, the book talks about my stories. I have a lot of leadership stories and some things that I've learned. And I'm sure it's very similar to the work, Steve, that you have in your own book about, you know, the leadership principles there, you know, not new principles, but how we apply them in today's world. And then I interviewed several leaders as I was writing the book and, you know, they added some of their own anecdotal stories to the book that I added. And, you know, that, that's where we are right now. You know, it's a book that helps leaders, whether they're new leaders or you've been in leadership for a while. And, you know, there's some reminders just in new metaphorical ways and how you can approach things. Well, I've been so excited to have Mac on this uh, podcast because we share something and it is a passion around excellence of becoming your best. And so what does the spirit of excellence mean for you and from your experience, and how do you apply those type of uh, lessons to being excellent? So great question. Uh, going back to that story I was talking about in Korea, you know, I was a private in the army and, you know, we were tasked to put up a talk, a tactical operations center, and me and some privates were doing the work and goofing off and Sergeant Oberleitner came over to me, you know, former Vietnam vet, and he just ripped into us really bad. And, you know, I didn't understand why at the time, very young, but he coached me the next day and said, hey, do you know why, you know, I got into you yesterday? And I said, no. And he explained to me, he said that, you know, you were doing what we asked you to do and you're following the instructions on how to do it, you know, correctly. But it was the how you approached the work that was the problem. You weren't doing it in the spirit of excellence. 
So that stayed with me. And what I learned over time is that the spirit of excellence is not a result. People think sometimes that excellence is a result. It's the how you do things, not the what you're doing. The result may vary, but, you know, how you do your work in the spirit of excellence is important. And as far as the application is concerned, you know, kind of taking it from the military into, you know, finance and where I am right now, it's one demonstrating that for your team as a leader that, you know, everything you do, you approach you know, your own self with the spirit of excellence um, and then setting the expectation that, you know, that's what you're you're wanting from your team as well. And then recognizing that when that happens or when it doesn't happen. Um, I have a great story about a teller in Bank of America as well. You know, I went into the branch in an opening situation. I thought I was helping out um, and the teller corrected me right there on the spot and talked about the spirit of excellence when we were just now implementing uh, my great on Edna. And I knew that it was starting to take root in how she approached it with me. And I was her boss, like four levels up. You know, I ended up promoting her, but that's the how. You demonstrate it, you set that expectation, and then, you know, you coach and recommend regularly. Mac, I've got a question because what we think about has every impact on what we do. People say that uh, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So I would say that maybe the first part of having this spirit of excellence, uh, the spirit of becoming your best, starts upstairs here in our head. So what have you found the best way for people to create this mindset, this anchor, if you will, of the spirit of excellence? Because once they get it, in other words, I and someone that creates excellence, and it starts becoming part of their DNA, my guess is it changes everything, just like you had that experience in Korea. You change your thought and say, this is me. I want to have a spirit of excellence. And when you feel it all the way through, then it's a game changer. So, Steve, you said some things that got me really excited as you were speaking. You know, my, my spirit was going through it. And one of the things you just said right now was, this is me. And so one of the first things is self-identification, finding who you are. When you said that, it sparked something in me because that's exactly it. You have to get it yourself first, but first you have to identify like, you know, what that is. And so there's, there's either an observation or sometimes you get it through reading a book or, you know, a memory or something like that. But then defining who you are, like this is me. Like I get up every morning and I make my bed. That is me. It seems like something that's very trivial, but it, it ties into the spirit of excellence and how you approach everything that you do. So you're right. It's a mindset. It's defining that that's you. And so when things are outside of the realm of what you define yourself as, it should bother you. If it doesn't bother you, that's a problem. That isn't you yet. So I think you're absolutely right. It starts with the mindset um, and, and what you define yourself as. Oh, I love that. Thanks for emphasizing that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's not being, you know, you just don't tolerate anything else and saying, listen, this is what I'm about. And and that way, because it's really hard to predict circumstances, the future, the things will come at you. But if you have that mindset, then you're going to get after it. You're going to be a finisher. You know, you're not going to let up until you have that kind of result. You're exactly right. I love it. Thanks for making that a big deal. So in your book, you mentioned a leadership principle, a lesson that was learned from the great jazz American musician, Miles Davis. Oh, my goodness. What a musician. He just changed the world. 
I'm glad you pointed him out. What's the lesson that you were thinking about? Can you elaborate on that? Yes, sir. Um, this is one of my favorite lessons as a leader. And when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have gotten this lesson. But now, as an older leader, more mature leader and understanding grace as a leader, this is a great lesson. But to get into what happened, you know, Miles Davis is, as you said, one of the greatest ever. But there's also a young man by the name of Herbie Hancock, who's now considered one of the greatest ever. And Herbie Hancock tells a story uh, when he was young and he was asked to be a part of Miles Davis Quintet. And he was super excited. You know, in his mind, he's made it. He's a keyboardist. He's playing the piano live on stage for the first time with Miles Davis and the rest of the group live, you know, audience right there. And then he hits a wrong note and it was very, very bad. It was so bad that the band stopped playing and the crowd, the crowd got silent. And so Miles Davis stops and, you know, looks over at him for about seven seconds. It's what he said. And then Miles Davis turned his head back and looked down at the ground for about another seven to 10 seconds. And he started to play the same song with the wrong chords that Herbie Hancock had just hit. And then the band picks up on it and they start playing. The audience gets back into it, you know, all as well. But the leadership lesson in here is covering for your employees' mistakes. And so a couple of things that I think about that had to occur you know, when this happened is, first of all, there was a recognition of the mistake. You know, everybody kind of looked at Herbie. But what Miles didn't do was chastise him. He didn't, you know, point it out. He immediately focused on how can I make this mistake right, not only for my new employee, but for everybody else who's paying attention right now. And he was so good at his own craft that he could recreate his song, recompose his song with the wrong notes immediately. And the band kept playing all as well. And so Herbie Hancock talks about all of his accolades right now and the fact that they wouldn't be there had Miles Davis took a different approach as a leader with him. And so as a leader now in finance and, you know, what I do, I understand, first of all, my employees are going to make to happen that eventually that's going to happen. But you have to be prepared as a leader in your own craft. You have to be so good at it that you're able to cover for those mistakes, allow grace, and then maybe provide a coaching session later on. So that lesson will always stick with me. You know, there'd be no Herbie Hancock that everyone knew about had Miles Davis took a different approach. Oh, that's an inspirational story right there, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Yes. That's great. Well, you know, money is really, there's a lot of measures of success and a lot of things that bring happiness. And so money is definitely not the only criteria we use to measure success. But Miles Davis was worth $19 million as a musician, (laughs) as a jazz musician. (laughs) That's amazing. It's amazing. That's how good he was. And the fact that he would have humility and goodness Mm -hmm. in the process. I love the word grace that you used. And those are great traits of leadership. Nice going. Yes, sir. Okay, so what are some practical things that leaders can do to introduce into the culture the type of things you just talked about of my great Edna into their organizations? And thank you for pointing out what they are. I love them. Let's review those three things again. Yes, sir. So uh, Edna is an acronym, stands for excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. And from a practical standpoint, first of all, when you use the term my great aunt Edna, it's catchy, it's fun, it's funny, some people, and it's non-threatening. And so that's one of the first things you want to do is, you know, kind of have fun with it. 
because it's it's not threatening. It's you know it's not you know at least seven steps or seven principles. It's just the concept <laughs> culture. The second thing I'd say in in making them practical is one with excellence. I, I mentioned that already, demonstrating the spirit of excellence. But one with doing things the right way. And by the way, I point out the difference between doing the right things and doing things the right way. They're totally different. But once you decide on what the right thing to do is, making sure that you're consistent in doing that um, for uh, you know various reasons. You know, you do things the right way consistently. One, you can point out necessary controls that may need to be put in place and adaptations that need to be made to the process. So it's extremely important to do that and make sure your teams are doing that consistently. No shortcuts. It sounds self-explanatory, but again, not taking shortcuts because shortcuts can eventually come back to hurt you. And so as people make suggestions, you know, think through, is this just a shortcut or is this a new concept and how we can get better at what we're doing? Because shortcuts eventually are going to come back to bite us. The last piece about accountability, I first believe in setting expectations. I have an expectations meeting with my team every year. It's usually at the beginning of the year where I will set expectations of them. It's fair, but I allow them to set expectations of me as a leader because that is fair. Also, we're all on the same page. And then once we agree on that, giving everyone the permission, and this is important, you don't just set expectations, but you have to give them permission to hold you accountable as a leader to what we said we're going to do and then holding each other accountable to what we said we're going to do. And, you know, if we think through sports or business, you know, we can use Apple, Microsoft, whatever, as an example, the ones that are extremely successful are the ones where the leaders have given their teams to hold them accountable because we get off track as well. So that's something that's extremely important in the practicality of this. I love how Mac has taken this spirit of excellence and combined it with the principles of my great aunt Edna. And just think about Edna, excellence, do things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. Those are powerful. And what's the result they produce? Well, the results vary. And so I'm also very transparent about that because, again, the spirit of excellence is the how, not the what. Sometimes you do exactly what you, you know, you're trying to accomplish. You maybe exceed that. I've done that a couple of times in my career. Sometimes you don't. You don't hit the mark. And you got to be realistic about that. But, you know, on Edna is not the result. It's not the what. It's the how you approach everything you do. But more likely than not, you're going to be successful and many times exceed your goals. Yeah, I agree. Mac and I had the opportunity before our session today, we were talking about becoming your best and the 12 principles of highly successful leaders. And I, I predicted, I said, Mac, you're going to talk about some of those principles today. And that's exactly what Edna is. It's this spirit and, and it's doing things the right way. No shortcuts and accountability. It's having a vision and having clear goals and building high trust and living the golden rule and innovation so that you can create the excellence. And you've touched on all those. So this is going to be a fun book to read. Tell us about maybe some of the tips, Mac, in the book that help people do this. Yeah, I think one of the tips, I have a chapter in there called Broken Mirror, which is one of my, my favorite uh, chapters in the book. And I have a broken mirror mirror from 1988. I was in the Army wanting to cut my own hair, and I needed a smaller mirror to look in the other mirror to see the back of my head. And, you know, female soldiers said, hey, you can use my mirror, and it was broken. 
And, you know, I didn't care at the time, you know, I cut my hair and I was getting ready to hand it back. She said, you can keep it as broken. All right. So I kept it and I still have that mirror. And it's, it's been with me multiple continents, multiple vacations. But what it also does metaphorically is that it helps remind me as a leader that I have cracks in my face. Like there's never a perfect view of me as a leader, even when I look at myself or when others see me. And I also turn the mirror periodically to understand that people see different cracks from different angles. So, you know, someone can have another angle of me as a leader. Maybe they're not directly in my hierarchy, but they're on my team. And so their view is different. And so that absolutely helps me as a leader to remind myself that, you know, my leadership face will have cracks. It's not going to be a perfect vision for everyone. And and I need to continuously work on that. Well, that's a great insight. Well, I bet there's a lot of tips that are helpful in my great Aunt Edna. Yes, sir. A lot of them. Oh, well, that's good. Well, any final tips for our listeners today that helps them in creating excellence and being an excellent leader, whether that's applied in their own life, with their families, or professionally? Yeah, um, and this is not new. Uh, going back to our conversation before the cameras start rolling, rolling. Um, and first of all, I, you know, I want to say this so everyone else can hear, but Steve is the first person that I've ever met that knew Stephen Covey personally. So that's extremely impressive to me. It was one of the first books I've read that all of the principles stayed with me. So, you know, great thing uh, there. But what I want to say lastly is that leadership is, first of all, it's not easy and it's not for everyone. It sounds self-explanatory, but it's true. And it's a servant mindset. Although, you know, you, you have power, you have authority most of the time, it has to be a servant mindset. And if you're not there to help other people get better, then it, it's a waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. And many employees have come up to me previously that want to get promoted into leadership teams. One of the first questions I ask them is, who have you helped make better? And if they can't answer that question, I don't care how your individual performance look. I, I've had some national achievers come to me and they get mad when I turn them down for a leadership role because leadership is about making other people better, not necessarily you succeeding. So it's a servant mindset, I'd say, that you have to have as a leader. And if you're creating other leaders, then you're doing the right things. That is great advice, Mac. Thank you. It's a, the fact is that is inspirational. Thank you, sir. It's what we do and how can you make a difference in other people's lives and leave the world a better place than you found it? And people better than you found them. And what a great attitude. Mac, how can people find out about what you're doing? How can they get the book? Yeah. So first of all, the book is available pretty much everywhere. You know, you can go to Walmart, BarnesandNoble.com, Goodreads, Amazon.com, all the normal book channels. Um, It's in all formats. So, you know, electronic, paperback, hardback and audio book as well. My LinkedIn profile is probably the easiest way to contact me or see what's going on. So Mac McNeil, M-A-C, last name is M-C-N-E-I-L. On LinkedIn, you can find me there and there's usually information on everything that's going on. Well, Mac McNeil, it has been a delight to have you on this program today. It's been inspirational for me. I want to lift the bar and uh, I'm sure for our listeners as well, they've got some good ideas today and reinforce those ideas. So. We wish you the best in all that you're doing, Mac. Thank you, Steve. And, and again, I, you know, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, super excited to meet you. Oh, you bet. Same here. And we wish all of our listeners the very best as you're making a difference in the world every day. It has such a big impact. You're a light 
and you're an inspiration. The very fact that you're listening in really describes the kind of person you are of being humble and wanting to get better and do exactly what Mac talked about is uh, leave the world a better place. So this is Steve Schallenberger, your host today. We've loved having you here and Mac, we wish you the best. Thank you, sir. Much appreciate Best wishes to all. Steve Schallenberger signing off. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly P performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.